Uh, we are going to continue in our series this morning on the parables. Uh, I got some, I've had some really interesting feedback from you guys about, about parables, and I'm really excited that, it's, that they're making sense. I'm really excited that you're seeing them in a new way, and we're going to do this all summer long together, so I hope you're anticipating that as much as I am. So this morning, uh, in our parable, let's start like this. Let's take a minute and just be real with one another like we are. We don't, we don't need to pretend. What is, I, actually, if you don't even mind sharing, you don't have to, but confession is good for your soul. What is something that you're putting off right now? What's something that you're procrastinating? <laughs> All the things. <laughs> it's summer. It's like there's so many more interesting things to do than whatever it is that you're supposed to be doing. Uh, is it a project around your house? Is it summer school? Like some of you are supposed to be taking a course and you're just like, I don't want to. I don't want to do it. Um, how many have uh, laundry that just, just like, I'll, I'll switch that. <laughs> ah, laundry. <laughs> Mount Washmore, as we might call it. Um, maybe there's an organizing project. There's that one closet that when you open it, you're just like, no, I can't. You just shove things in. One day I'm going to get to that. One day I'm going to figure out what's in there. I'm going to organize it all. Maybe you're, you need to make a call. Maybe you need to call somebody. You need to make an appointment. Maybe you need to whatever. This is your friendly, this is your friendly uh, reminder. Do the thing. Okay, whatever the thing is, maybe make a note, whatever. Off campus, um, if you're with us this morning, you're with Pastor Ethan in the comments. Um, share with each other what you're procrastinating. I swear, it'll be so good for you. It'll be like accountability. Uh, and let, Pastor Ethan, you have to share something in the comments that you're procrastinating right now. <laughs> I want to know. And then everybody log on, see what Pastor Ethan put there. Uh, <laughs> they will all hold him accountable. Procrastination is everywhere. And it can be applied. You can procrastinate in almost any situation, can't you? Uh, we're really, really good at it. Some of us love that last-minute rush of adrenaline. Who's in that category? You just love doing that last minute because you, you think you do your best work like that. You think you do your best work like that. Uh, and some of us, when we are in a, in a procrastinating situation and we have put it off to the last minute and then we go to do the thing, instead of feeling that adrenaline rush that gets it done, some of us panic and shut down. How many of you are in that camp? You're just like, I can't, it's too much, I have too many things. I don't know, I don't know everything about you, friends, certainly, and you don't know everything about me, but I feel confident to say that all of you are putting something off, because <laughs> that's what we do. And you can be sure about that for me, too. There are always things that we are able to procrastinate in our lives. And now, switching gears just a little bit, uh, something else is going to help us when, we're, uh, when we are framing our parable this morning. Uh, what, was the, what was the last thing, this is also like a come to Jesus moment, because you might need to be reminded of this. What was the last thing you borrowed from somebody? Don't, you need to return it, okay? I just, I'm just letting you know that thing, that thing that you borrowed. When was the last time you borrowed something from someone? Because you didn't have it yourself. You, like literally something you needed to use or something, whatever. Um, and this, this is your friendly reminder to also make a note. If you borrowed something and you still have it, make a note, return it. They're waiting for it to get, come back. Or they forgot who they, they lent it to and they're wondering where it is. I have so many books like that. We don't, we don't come into the world with everything we need. We don't have the ability to purchase, most of us don't, every single thing that we could possibly need. And so we, we have to share what we have. We have to borrow from others, and we have to share resources. We don't do it probably as much as we could or as much as we should, but we do do this a lot if you think about it. 
So there are, there are two sort of principles that are true of the human existence. Um, we, are, uh, we, are, we all procrastinate in some way or another, and we all borrow from others. They're just something that, these are two things that are true just of our daily lives to some extent or another. And so for today's parable, here is the bottom line. Before we even open the scripture, I'm going to tell you what the bottom line of this one is, and that is, while in your human existence, you, are, you tend to procrastinate, and there are, there, there's a necessity for you in your lifetime to borrow from others, there are some things you can't borrow, including time. That's really what this is going to boil down to this morning. That while those things are true in our lives, there are some things you can't borrow including time. Jesus knows it's in our nature to do just those things. Uh, and so he tells a story in Matthew 25 that's like a call to wake up and pay attention uh, to what needs our attention right now. Uh, so open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 25. I realized because I was on the worship team this morning, my routine was a little bit different and I don't have my Bible. But it's okay, I wrote it all down in my notes, but I wish I had a physical Bible feels better in my hand, but you'll get it. Uh, Matthew 25, if you are with us online or here in the service on your device, of course, the YouVersion Bible app, then more and then events, and then you can find these already loaded for you there. I just realized I did wake up and pay attention in this, and I think that I was channeling Sister Act 2. Does anybody know that reference? <laughs> Do you want to sing it now? Do you, wanna, do you know what I mean? You want to be somebody, you want to go somewhere. I'm just waiting for you to get to Matthew 25, so I'm going to sing in the middle. Wake up and pay attention. I'm going to cut that out of the recording later. Don't worry. <laughs> so Matthew 25 is this wake-up call from Jesus that he's saying, watch yourself. There are some things you can't borrow, including time. So let's read it together. Matthew 25, 1 to 13. Jesus says this, at that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps, went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both us and you instead. Go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. So I hope that when you are reading this passage, uh, we are starting, of course, at the top of Matthew 25, but Jesus says, at that time, and you being good Bible scholars would say, at what time? What is he talking about? That's great, because we always want to look at these things in context. So if you want to scroll back or you want to go back a page or go up a paragraph, um, as, as it may be, you will see that um, 
what's happening here is pretty simple, actually. When you, uh, you see that in Matthew 24, so just before this, Jesus is teaching about the end times. He's teaching about his second coming. And he's emphasizing in Matthew 24 that no one knows the day or the hour when all of these things are going to happen, these end times in his second coming. So you just always have to be ready for them. And so what does he do to punctuate the point? It's easier to remember a story sometimes than a sermon. I know you guys memorize all my sermons and you take them all to heart, whatever. But for other people, sometimes it's easier to remember a story. And so Jesus, he teaches about it and then he tells the story. So this story makes complete sense in this context, doesn't it? And not a lot is actually known. There's a lot that's guessed about, but not, as actually, not a lot is actually known about wedding customs in first century Palestine. Um, probably because nobody thought to write them down. Just like nobody's writing down right now wedding customs in 2022 particularly, because everybody knows what happens at a wedding. Why would you write it down? We all know what happens. So some, some of what happens at a, a first century Palestinian wedding is lost to history. Um, but we do know a few things, and we can guess at a few things. Uh, we know that they were a really big deal, that wedding celebrations were a really big deal. They were a really important celebration in the culture. And scholars are really split on how much we can infer uh, from the historical records and, and even what's happening in modern-day Palestine. There are some wedding traditions that sound a lot like this, and uh, scholars are kind of split on whether we can have a direct correlation. But there are lots of hints in here that are going to help us to understand better what Jesus is saying in this parable. There is one account that I read uh, that I thought was fascinating, and um, it's from William Barclay's commentary. And this is what he says in here about this weddings in, in Jesus' time. Well, he says it about modern day, but you'll make the, you'll make the connection. Dr. J. Alexander Finley, principal of, of Didsbury Methodist College in Manchester, tells of what he himself saw in Palestine. When we were approaching the gates of a Galilean town, he writes, I caught a sight of ten maidens gaily clad and playing some kind of musical instrument as they danced along the road in front of our car. When I asked what they were doing, the interpreter told me that they were going to keep the bride company till her bridegroom arrived. I asked him if there was any chance of seeing the wedding, but he shook his head and saying, in effect, it might be tonight or tomorrow night or in a fortnight's time. Nobody ever knows for certain. Then he went on to explain that one of the greatest things to do, if you could, at a middle-class wedding in Palestine was to catch the bridal party napping. So the bridegroom comes unexpectedly and sometimes in the middle of the night, and it's true that he, required, he was required by public opinion to send a man along the street and shout, Behold, the bridegroom is coming, but it may happen at any time, so the bridal party have to be ready to go out into the street at any time to meet him whenever he chooses to come. Other important points are that no one is allowed on the streets after dark without a lighted lamp. And also that when the bridegroom has once arrived and the door has been shut, latecomers to the ceremony are not admitted. So there is the whole drama of Jesus' parable reenacted in the 20th century. It's not a made-up story, but a slice of life from a current village in Palestine. So we can infer from that. I know this is current, but you can see the picture. You can just, you can see it, right? It's fascinating. And you can also go really crazy with uh, assigning meaning in parables to every little thing. Some people do this. Sometimes you'll read about parables and, or you'll, you'll hear speaking on it or whatever. And you'll, you'll, every, every like, item and object and thing in the parable is assigned some meaning. And so there is maybe some value to that. Like what do the lamps represent? 
faith or salvation or our souls or what does the oil represent, the spirit or our good works. And there's lots of people who, who think about it in that way. And, and that's, that might be helpful for us as well. But it's, it's likely that when Jesus was teaching that, he was less interested in those, uh, those correlations than he was the bottom line um, of what he was trying to get across. And what is that? That there are some things that you can't borrow. There are only two categories of bridesmaids here. I just want you to know that. There's only two teams. There's no third team. There's no lukewarm team. There's just like, the, there's the wise and there's the foolish. There's only two. The wise ones did what needed to be done when it needed to be done, and the foolish ones didn't. And the consequence was, as you can read, devastating. That all ten of them expected to go to the wedding. Hear that. Five of them weren't like, well, we might go, we might not go, we might make it, we might not make it, it doesn't matter. All ten of them were there waiting and expecting to go to the wedding. All ten were waiting for the groom. Until the moment when they heard the voice announcing that the groom was coming, there was no difference between them, really. Like, they, they were all in the same state of mind. And it's even fine that they were sleeping, by the way, in case you're wondering, like, I can't believe they fell asleep. You would fall asleep, too, if you had to wait two weeks for the groom to come. Seriously, but we need to talk to these grooms also. I've had some people show up late to some weddings, but that's ridiculous. But, okay, customs, maybe it's different. I get it. I get it. Um, there was, like, they, it's okay that they were sleeping because they had to. Because <laughs> it was nighttime. So they, they knew that they could be waiting days. So they, they would rest, and that, that part of it was okay. But in the crisis moment, it divided those who were ready and who weren't. When they, when they were like, oh, it's time to go. I'm going to wake up. Am I ready or not ready? I read a lot about uh, the nature of the lamps. A lot of commentators love to talk about the lamps. What does a lamp look like in first century Palestine? What did it mean? It was like a rag. It was wrapped around a stick, and, and it was dipped in the oil. But no, no, it wasn't that. It was like a lamp, and you trim the wick, and like whatever. Like there was, there's so much that people were studying about these lamps. It's pretty interesting. And there's a lot of guesswork and such, but I, I'll tell you this. This is what's important to know about the lamps, even if we can't know everything because it's 2,000 years later. The, the virgins who, were, who had the oil, I just want you to understand, they weren't being selfish or self-preserving by not sharing. That, that's not at all what's happening here. What we do know for sure about the lamps is that it wasn't possible for them to share. They literally couldn't. There wasn't enough to share. It wasn't like, well, I'll give you some, and then hopefully we'll get to the wedding banquet on time. That's not how the lamps worked in the day. That they know for sure. So it wasn't like they were just being like self preserving and not sharing what they had it was like they literally couldn't it was like if I don't if, if you take my oil I won't be able to go and and you didn't I, I can't I can't share it I can't share it so with all of those things that we understand about the, the Palestinian wedding at the time and what we know about the the lamps and all of those things all of that tucked into our minds let's work for a minute to make some connections that Jesus was making when he told this story when you think about uh, weddings and Jesus, the metaphor uh, starts to come alive, but it's a little different than what you might think at first. Obviously, Jesus is the groom. We understand that correlation because he's coming suddenly and we're waiting for him to come again, and that absolutely lines up with Matthew 24 with what he was speaking about. We understand then that 
in other parts of scripture, who is the bride? Is the church. Or in, in, in this context, the first hearers, the Jews, those who would believe in Jesus, and then now us who are included in that plan of salvation. So all who believe in Jesus, the church, is the bride in other parts of scripture. However, in this story, things are switched up a bit. Just want to make sure that we recognize that, that Jesus is clearly still the groom, like I said, because we know that from the previous chapter, it makes complete sense. But we aren't the bride, we're one of the bridesmaids waiting for the groom in order to start the wedding celebration. So why does Jesus switch up the metaphor when so many other places were called the bride of Christ? And I think simply because this picture is so powerful in what Jesus is trying to get across. It captures the heart of it so beautifully. Those who are waiting had to be ready, totally prepared, no matter how long the groom was delayed. I mean, I guess that's true of the bride, too. She's not mentioned in this story, but she was waiting, too. But in this case, we are the bridesmaids because we have a decision to make every day whether or not we are going to be wise or foolish. And Jesus wants to make this point pretty clear. When Jesus comes, it'll surprise everyone. Scripture says that a lot of times. Even those who are waiting for him. Even the ones who are waiting for Jesus to come again will be surprised when he returns. That's what scripture says. So the question is, are the ones who are waiting actually prepared? Because when that moment comes, there are some things you just can't borrow. You can't borrow time, for sure. The foolish five went out to buy more oil in the middle of the night. <laughs> Who was going to sell them oil in the middle of the night? They did not have Walmart to go to. There was no 24-hour convenience store they could pop into. Who was going to sell them oil? By the time they found the oil merchant, by the time they woke him up from his bed and he opened up the shop for them if he was even willing to do that and then sold them the oil and they got back, there was just simply no time. It was too late. It was, once they realized, it was too late. You can't borrow preparedness. The wise five thought ahead, and they did what needed to be done. They prioritized the right things, obviously, before that moment. And they were ready when that moment came. And there was just simply no substitute for it. There was no making up for that preparedness when the moment came. Maybe the... The, the foolish five were prepared at first. But they weren't prepared for a delay. Maybe they were excited when they first started waiting for the groom. But they didn't continually make themselves prepared. They didn't stay prepared. And so they weren't ready. They, weren't, they were prepared, but not for a delay, perhaps. You also can't borrow character. That, that's, that slow daily work of building character, which is so beautifully um, often called a long obedience in the same direction. You cannot shortchange that process. It's the decisions, the disciplines, the yeses and the noes that make you who you are. Platform and opportunity will not make you into the person that you want to be. I can promise you that. It could sideline you, actually, if your character can't handle that. I think we've seen that over and over and over again. You might say, well, once I'm this, 
then I'll do this. Once I, you know, w- once I get to this stage in my life, then I'll, I'll, I'll really start reading the word. Or, or once I get to this position in my job, then I'll really start asking the Lord for help in, in uh, influencing my coworkers for Christ. Once I get here, then I'll do this. And there's, that's just not even a thing. It doesn't work like that. It happens now. It happens in the small things. It happens in the day-to-day. It happens piece by piece by piece. It's the time between you and God. It's your private world. It's your thought life in the safety of your own home. It's who you are when no one's looking. That's the stuff that's going to build your character or fail to build your character every single day. So to be wise You have to decide daily that you're going to invest in the future. That's what wisdom looks like. You're going to invest in others. You're going to invest in the health of your soul and your spirit. And to be foolish, instead, you're going to think of yourself. You're going to think of your comfort. You're going to think of what you want right now. You're going to think about what's easy for you. And when Jesus comes, what you have is what you have. You either have godly character or you have selfish worldly character. And there's only, that's, that's, that's a long obedience in the same direction for the one or the other. And also you can't borrow relationship. You can't borrow relationship. You either know Jesus and you are developing a relationship with him or you don't. There isn't a middle ground here. Like I believe in Jesus but I don't really know him. That's, there's no option here for that. You either know him and are getting to know him better or you don't know him. I know that's a tough word, friends, but this is what, that's that lukewarm piece. It's not even, there's no category for people in the Bible who say they believe in Jesus but do nothing with it. There really isn't. There really isn't. I don't know, um, I don't know Michael super well, getting to know him. So I think we've known each other for a year now. You've been coming to Freedom almost, right? I remember when you came. I don't know Michael super well. Um, Hey, off campus, Michael's just behind the camera, so hopefully that's not weird for you. Uh, uh, Great guy. Seems, seems like a really cool guy. Uh, let's say I wanted to get a job at Michael's firm. I think you do, like, you do math, right? You're an accountant or something? Okay, yeah. Okay, so, uh, see, I don't know Michael very well. I'm getting to know him. I don't know you very well, but, and you don't know me very well. I mean, you know, you know, like, me preaching and stuff, but let's pretend that's not true. We don't know each other very well. If I wanted to get a job at Michael's firm, is it a firm? Is it an accounting firm? Okay, well, let's, let's just say, let's just say it is. See, you see how I don't know Michael very well? He does, I know, I know what his degree is in though, so there I'm learning. I want to get a job where Michael works, and so I want him to be a reference for me. But he doesn't know me very well. But Ethan has really gotten to know Michael pretty well over the last year. So they, they know a lot about each other's lives, and they, they trust each other, and they work together, they do young adult ministry together. So um, what if I said, hey, um, Ethan knows me, so could you just vouch for me based on what Ethan tells you about me? How comfortable is Michael going to feel with that? Like, mm, I mean, Ethan probably wouldn't lie to me about you. But I can't, I, can't take, I can't use Ethan's relationship with Michael as my own. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's just, it, if he did it, he probably shouldn't. <laughs> because who knows? Who knows what I would be like at your work? Who knows? Who knows? I can't borrow Ethan's relationship with Michael. This is the kind of the idea here. You can't borrow a relationship with someone else. You can't. Same thing goes with uh, parents and kids when you're talking about your relationship with God. 
my parents have a beautiful relationship with Jesus. And they have modeled that for me my whole life. If you know them, you know that's, that's true. And that, the modeling of that relationship with Jesus has been so valuable to me. So parents, if you think your kids are not paying attention <laughs> or you don't, you're just like, I don't know, we're just living for Jesus and we don't know what these, the kids are going to decide, what they're going to decide. They are watching you and they are seeing it and you're, you, can't do, you can't do a relationship with Jesus for them, but just keep being faithful. That's just for you on the side. Just keep being faithful because they see it and if it's authentic, it will be meaningful. You hear me, parents. Just receive that. Am I speaking that to myself? Yes, Lord. <laughs> I watched my parents. I loved seeing how, um, how they, they trusted Jesus in every situation. I loved watching them worship. I love how they taught me how to rely on God's wisdom and not my own. My, my dad would teach me, you know, you need to have a spiritual backbone of steel in the Lord. Like be resolute in your decisions. Anchor yourself in Jesus. These are the things I learned growing up, um, and, and it, it really mattered. helped me a lot in my life. But at the end of the day, if that's not my relationship with Jesus, I have nothing. I can't borrow their relationship with Jesus for me. It's either mine or it's theirs. I'm either going to choose to be wise or foolish. I can't borrow relationship. I have to have my own. There are just some things you can't borrow. So very simply this morning, that's just what I wanted to say from this parable. Are you ready? Are you ready? Jesus actually talks about this a lot in scripture. Are you ready and prepared to stay ready? Are you ready and, and walking in a long obedience in the same direction? Knowing that Jesus could come at any time. Knowing that, that there is more than this life and that it is worth pursuing with your whole heart. Knowing that, that serving yourself and, your, and your, your own wants and your own needs does sound in the moment like a good idea. But when you look long term, it is not going to get you where you want to go. It's not going to create the character in you that the Lord would want to produce. The fruit that would want to be produced in your life. You know you want those things. And so what are you choosing? If Jesus returned today, what would you be trying to borrow? Would you be... Hoping for more time? Would you be hoping for more time for preparedness? There's just some things you don't have yet. Would you be trying to borrow character? Making up for some lost time and some decisions you've made? Would you be trying to borrow relationship? Because you realize that you don't really know the groom at all? That's the reality of this parable. So I just wanted to tell you this morning that if you lack any of these things, you can change that reality today. Off campus, listen, I don't know where you are, what's going on in your life, or if this is your first time uh, being with us this morning, I'm glad you're here. You can change that reality today. You don't have to wonder. You can know Jesus today. All of these things that you can't borrow, that's fine because you can have them for yourself. You can have them for yourself. So I want to I, I I take some time to pray about this this morning. Team, you come. I don't know what you're going to play or sing, but I'm really excited about it. And uh, 
That's my favorite thing. I, I don't like to prepare too much for the end because we just never know quite what's going to happen. And then it's also fun for them just to watch them go. Scramble is a, is a spiritual gift uh, to scramble well. And so this morning I want to invite you, um, if you've heard this word and you've thought to yourself, what is it that I'm trying to borrow in my relationship with Jesus? I want to say this to you again. You can change that reality today. You can change it today. So whatever it is that you lack, whatever it is in your life that says, I am not ready, but I want to be. Maybe you, maybe you have never made a decision to follow Jesus. And you're saying to yourself, well, if this is real, and what I'm feeling this morning is real, and if what she's saying about, about Jesus is real, I want that, but I am absolutely do not know this Jesus that you're talking about, but I want to get to know him. I want to invite you this morning to pray with us and to make that decision and to start a brand new life in him. Oh, it's, it's so good. It's so good. The world's messages tells you one thing, but I'll tell you, the way that Jesus transforms and heals and makes us ready and then gives us eternity is like nothing else. And I'd love to walk with you through that. So the team's going to, uh, going to lead something, and it's going to be awesome. <laughs> Whatever, it doesn't matter. We're going we're gonna to open our hearts, and I'm going to invite you, if you are not ready in any way, shape, or form, if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, and if you don't know what that means, often that just feels like my heart's beating a little faster. There's just something about this message that's compelling me. I just want to invite you to be bold. And to say, I do not want to be foolish. I do not want to be somebody who's trying to borrow things that I can't borrow. I want to be ready. I want to be of one mind. I want to be of one heart. I want to see Jesus. I want to follow Jesus. And I, and I, I need a few things in my life to come into alignment. I want to invite you this morning to come. Um, and you can just go anywhere you want along the front here. Come and just lay that down and say, Jesus, I, I'm trying to borrow character. Or I'm trying to borrow on my relationship with you from someone else or I, I'm trying I'm, I'm just wanting to do my own thing for as long as I can and thinking that someday someday I'll serve you like when I'm ready I'll, tomorrow tomorrow I'll, I'll, I'll really get it right and Jesus would say just come just come right now come and make yourself ready this can change today for some of you you actually maybe never made a decision for yourself. I don't care if you're an adult or a kid, teenager, young, whatever. Every age doesn't matter. Some of you have grown up in the church and you're not even sure that you've made a decision to follow Jesus for yourself. It was something that you were, it was the culture of your home. It was the culture um, uh, that you grew up in in your family. But you're not sure that for you, you've actually said, I actually do want to be ready. I actually do want to follow Jesus. I want to make decisions in my life that honor him. And I want to spend eternity with him. And I want the forgiveness and freedom that he offers me and the transformation that he offers me. And I don't live in that right now, but I want to make a decision to do that. That's available to you today, friends. So I just want to take a minute. I don't know if that's anybody in this place, but I suspect that there are a lot of us that the Holy Spirit might say, hey, in this area, I want you to come and just, I want you to come and give that to me. Come and give that to me. So let's stand together.
us that resists, every part of us that says, no, I, I don't, I don't want to lay that down or I don't want to embarrass myself or I don't want, I, what about people think about me if, if, I, if I come and pray, who knows? And I, God, I just ask that all of that would be set aside for the obedience to say, every part of my life, I want to be ready, Lord. Every part of my life. And so I come and lay down everything that you would call me to. I, I repent of all of the things that I have chosen to do instead of follow you. And this morning, I want to change that. I just want to change it. I'm so tired of living this way, of, of, of being uh, kind of like riding on someone else's spiritual coattails. I'm tired of wondering where I stand with you, Lord. I'm tired of, of feeling like uh, tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow is when I'm going to get my spiritual stuff together. And today I want to make it right, Lord. Today I want to make it right. So God, I pray that that would be the Spirit. Bring us, Holy Spirit, into that place of repentance and surrender. We give that to you as we worship you. Give that to you. Come and pray if you want to pray.